Podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire, empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold the Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hello, friends. I'm coming at you. This is Laura, by the way, <laughs> with a very, very, very special bonus episode this week that I am giddy to share um, and also giddy to get on and record because I get to talk to Kirsten for an hour and that is <laughs> joyful for me. Um, we have a very special guest on today who is has gone. She's We've had her on the podcast before. She's gone through um, a very, very tough couple years and couple, three, two, right? Uh Two, two, mostly, yeah, a little over two, a little over two years, um, and has now come to a kind of beautiful transition point. Um, and so, without further ado, let me introduce my lovely friend Kirsten. <laughs> She's twenty-something, self-proclaimed nutrition nerd, nutritional therapy practitioner, and trained doula with a love of real food, natural healing, and all things fertility, pregnancy, and birth-related. She is an army wife currently living in Georgia with her husband and two cute pups. After years of digestive distress, thyroid issues, anxiety, and constant fatigue, Kirsten discovered real food and developed an intense passion to heal her body with real, nutrient-dense food. This passion turned to using real food and a healthy lifestyle to promote fertility and a healthy pregnancy and baby when she and her husband decided to start trying to grow their family. After four miscarriages, she now has two sweet ha- four, four sweet heaven babies and a strong desire to help other women struggling with pregnancy loss and to end the stigma surrounding it. Kirsten and her husband are now trying to grow their family through adoption, which we're going to talk lots about today. You can follow along with her journey on Instagram and her blog, Vibrant Life Army Wife. Um, so Kirsten, first off, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. Um, thank you for having me. Of course. You guys, if you missed her last one, it was almost probably just about a, a year ago. Um, and a lot has happened since then. A lot. Um, you have two more babies in heaven, which is Mm-hmm. heartbreaking and I know we've we've had the I've had the blessing of being able to talk to you throughout a lot of this journey and we've gotten really close you guys Kirsten and I talk on Voxer pretty much daily <laughs> which is <laughs> pretty much yeah. which is amazing um and now we've come to this beautiful kind of like turning point or crux or a magical transition of um the journey to adoption so kind of want to talk about a little bit about all of it we have some really great listener questions you've been so incredible in sharing your story um on social media through instagram it's been i know i've even had people like when i shared the fundraiser which we'll also talk about i've had i had so many people reach out to me and just like in awe of you and your journey and your bravery and your transparency and vulnerability and i just i don't even think we can fully fathom the number of women you've impacted by sharing so Thank you for that. And yeah. thank you for coming on and um, welcome. Yay. I'm excited. <laughs> excited to be here. Um, everything you said, it just gives me all the warm, good, fuzzy feelings because it's like, if I can help even just like one person, it kind of, it gives like meaning and purpose to what we've gone through. Like it makes me feel like losing our babies, like their short little lives, like it wasn't for nothing. And that like, as a mom, like that's huge, huge, huge. Yeah. I mean, and if it, even just in this moment, like you've totally inspired and helped me. So I haven't, I haven't, um, experienced loss in the same way, but you've still inspired me just as a mother and your bravery. And it's been, it's been such a joy to be a part of your journey, um, and get to just get to know you. And, um, it's heartbreaking of course, but also I, I think it's really incredible just, um, as like a general life goal to, move through life the way that you have and that you've experienced such loss, but then you, um, so often have such a unique perspective and like silver lining. And, um, of course that doesn't negate the, the, the trauma and the, um, mourning of the losses that you've experienced, but also like, I think it's just so incredible the way that you're able to see it as also an opportunity to help others. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So we had you on about a year ago and I, um, what do you have to update us on? Like any just like general life updates um, in terms of where you've been and where you've come from in the past year? <laughs> well, I think kind of where we left off on that podcast was mm-hmm. that we had lost two babies mm-hmm. at that point. 
Um, and we were trying to conceive again. And um, it took us a little longer that third time, which, you know, had its own emotions tied up in that with trying to conceive after the loss. But I was actually, I think, maybe one or two cycles after I recorded that podcast that we got pregnant again the third time. And we lost that baby at roughly, I think it was about six and a half, seven weeks. It was very similar to the circumstances of our second miscarriage. Um, we named that baby. I want to say he, I felt like it was a he, I don't actually know, but we, we named that baby little bean. That was mm-hmm. kind of our, our nickname. Um, that was back in April of 2018. Um, after that, we kind of both declared, uh, we're not getting pregnant anytime soon. Like it's too scary. It's too hard. We were doing some testing, just like the basic recurrent pregnancy loss testing, which is like, a, I think they call it a hysterosalpingogram. It's HSG. It's like a, they put iodine into your uterus and then take x-ray pictures of it. Um, and I got some blood work, some genetic testing, that kind of thing at that point. So we were just kind of focusing on that, trying to get some answers, weren't going to enter into another pregnancy because it just felt too hard and scary. And then there was just like this shift that I can't fully explain where it was like, no, I think, I think we need to try again. Um, so we did, and we got pregnant very quickly that time. This was after all of our tests came back normal. And, um, we were just so convinced this fourth time, like this was going to be it. This is going to be our rainbow baby. The due date was actually my birthday, which is just like, what are the odds? Mm -hmm. Um, And that to me just like was another sign everything was going to be okay and all that kind of stuff. And um, it wasn't. Um, We found out we had our first ultrasound at 11 and a half weeks roughly. And we found out that um, our baby had passed away right around eight weeks. Um, And we did do the karyotype testing after that pregnancy where they test like the the baby's chromosomes to see, you know, because I think it's like 50 to 70% of miscarriages are due to some sort of chromosomal abnormality. Um, so we did a DNC. So then we'd be at this time, which we hadn't done any of the other times to, so we could get that testing because that's what our doctor recommended and everything came back normal. She had no, and we found out she was a she, um, and she had no, um, chromosomal issues or anything like that. Um, so we did not from that figure out what's causing our miscarriages. Um, we named that baby Faith. Mm. Um, and it was kind of when we came back from that ultrasound appointment where we found out we'd lost her, that both of us just kind of in the same moment, were just like, okay, our next step is adoption. And again, it was another one of those weird moments that I can't fully explain exactly what happened or anything like that. It was just, we both just had this peace despite the fact of like, we were going through something really, really terrible and heartbreaking in the moment. We had this piece about kind of our next steps, um, which was kind of incredible. So, I mean, that's, that's basically our update. That's like, my, that's, like that's a big, that's a year. <laughs> yeah. So much heartache. And, but then now coming to this decision to adopt with, for you and Jared, um, I'm just super excited to dive in because we, we've been chatting a lot, like I said, pretty much daily yes. about this experience and, all, and all, everything that goes into it. And I still have questions and I know our listeners have questions about the journey and um, about kind of like, it's interesting because you said you guys kind of both came to this decision at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of like a beautiful gift that Faith gave you guys as well as like this, you know, that experience um, helped you to come to this decision where her little brother or sister will... Uh, be joining your family, which is just incredible. And so what was that conversation like, if you don't mind sharing, like, was it you guys just kind of at the same time? I'm super curious to know how you came to that place because it's not, it's a lofty decision and, um, a really incredible one and, uh, a big kind of change from, from how the past couple of years have been. And so how did that conversation unfold? Yeah. So like I said, it was kind of like, we literally, we had our appointment, um, where our first ultrasound appointment and then I had a therapy appointment, thankfully, yeah, <laughs> immediately after that. Yeah. My therapist was a genius in recommending. She's like, either way, yeah. no matter what happens at that ultrasound appointment, you might need me. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so that was great. Yeah. Um, yay for therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got home. I got home from that appointment. And like we were just like laying on our bed. And I don't even remember exactly what was said. But it's not like it was out of nowhere 
let's adopt. Mm-hmm. Like we had talked about it here and there throughout, you know, our miscarriages and stuff like that. And it just never quite felt like the right time. Um, we still like wanted to have our quote unquote own child, which I, I hate that I ever thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, a biological child. Um, and it just never felt right. But then it was like, in that moment, we just both kind of felt like it was right. And I, like I said, I can't exactly even remember like how it came up or whatever. I just remember like laying on our bed together with our like dogs just like snuggled up right against us because you know dogs are so good like that they They know know sad and they were just like pressing so deep into me (laughs) in that moment because they knew mama was sad Mm -hmm. um and we just like started talking about it and we started like doing some research and all that kind of stuff and it wasn't something we wanted to just be like okay we are fully 100% diving into this right in this very moment because we wanted to be able to really like honor Faith's life. Like at that point, I still needed to have surgery, um, you know, and kind of go through the physical healing and that kind of thing. Um, but that was really where we started, like really thinking about it, starting to do some research and that kind of thing. And it was like, after that point where we had that conversation, it was just like that decision was being confirmed at like every single angle, which was just such a beautiful thing. Cause Jared and I, I think both are kind of questioners. Like we have a tendency to kind of, I don't know, maybe not second guess, but like, it's really helpful to have like outward confirmation sometimes with some of these things to make sure, especially with something as huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Especially with something as huge as deciding to adopt. And so like, I don't know, it's just been this really incredible journey so far. That's awesome. I love that you guys are on the same page and um, that you have such a he seems like such an incredible partner through all of this, um, which is awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. So adoption, you want to dive in a little bit? I, I, I feel like it's kind of this um, conversation that's not had in terms of everything that goes into the process. And I know it's, it's big and it's so much work and mm-hmm. it's very, very expensive. And so um, what has, I guess one of my question would be when you first made this decision or when you finally came to the point where you had done some healing and you guys were ready to move forward, what is step one? <laughs> oh, geez. Well, I mean, <laughs> we kind of knew that the big thing that had to be done first, no matter kind of what route we decided to take, because there's a lot of different ways you can go about this, which is also overwhelming, mm. um, was the home study. Because that's kind of the, you know, you can't do anything in adoption without a completed home study. And the home study is kind of the big, kind of overwhelming paperwork filled you know, invasive look into your life kind of thing. And so I started doing some research on like local places that could, that do home studies and things like that. And so I kind of, you know, I found um, a a local adoption agency, it's called Abiding Love Adoptions. And that's who we decided to go through for our home study. I like had a phone call with the um, owner of the company when we were, you know, making the decision And I just like speaking to her on the phone, just like literally had like chills all over my whole body. And I was like, okay, this is, this is who we're supposed to go through. Um, so that was kind of the first thing that we did. And then it was also through, um, her that we kind of got uh, a little more peace about deciding which kind of route to take, you know, agency consultant, that kind of thing. Um, wise, cause that's another big thing is like, okay, do I, do you go the, um, agency route? Do you go the like, you know, independent self-matching route? Do you go the consultant route? There's like a lot of different ways, you know, and no, none is better than the other. It's just all what works for you. And so that was kind of the next big thing. And kind of at the very, very beginning of this, well, first of all, I, I talked to, had a whole, whole bunch of conversations with my best friend who her, I don't think she'd mind sharing. She's adopted and she also worked at an adoption agency for a time up until a few months ago. And so she's like just such a good resource for us. And I'm so, so grateful to have her kind of on this journey with us. So there were a lot of conversations with her. And then I kind of just like, honestly started following a bunch of people on Instagram, like, you know, um, different agencies and then, you know, kind of going down that like Instagram rabbit hole of you follow one person and then that kind of leads you to another person, which follows you to another person and just kind of immersed myself in that community on Instagram. And like, it was kind of incredible because I feel like I learned so much and 
the timing of it was kind of perfect too, because this was like November, which November is national adoption month. So everybody who's involved with adoption, like that's what they were talking about that month. And so I just like, I feel like I got connected with a bunch of different, you know, organizations and companies and just, you know, other adoptive parents, um, birth mothers, like things like that, and was able to learn a lot and kind of get a lot of peace and direction about where we were meant to go in, you know, the next steps in our journey. Yeah. Do you have any specific ones that stand out in case someone is on a similar journey? Maybe they can follow um, yeah. along. So I would say um, Kindred & Co. is amazing. Her name, Hannah, is the woman behind that company. They design profile books. They're designing our profile book. And she's just like a super amazing adoptive mama to these two sweet little twin girls. And um, she had, on their blog, they share a whole bunch of information from all sides of the triad as far as like, you know, if you just want a community of, you know, people within the adoption community um, or, in, you know, more information about that. She's great. Also, um, Lifetime Healing LLC, I think, is their Instagram handle. That's um, a company that was started by a birth month, a birth mother named Ashley, who's just like this amazing strong, like powerful voice for birth moms. And they do, um, birth mother, like they do training for agencies so that they can like better support birth moms. Um, yeah. And that was actually part of how we chose our, um, the agency to do our home study is because they provide that training for their birth moms, which I just, you know, is important to me that, you know, that, that group is not forgotten in this Mm -hmm. process. So I don't know. That's, there's probably other, some like individual adoptive mom voices and adoptee voices, but I can't think of any. Well, I imagine through those accounts, people can kind of like you did go down the the beautiful rabbit hole of finding everybody. Instagram is so great in that way. I mean, that's why, that's how we connected. I think it's, it's, it serves such an amazing purpose if, um, I guess it's all about how we use it, right? <laughs> exactly. Awesome. And, and on that note, um, I wanted to talk obviously more about adoption, but I know that your consideration and thoughts and intentions with um, how you this journey unfolds for you in regards to the birth mom has been something very powerful and, and something, again, I'm super inspired by because it's not, I don't think that the birth moms are often enough potentially considered. I don't know much about this process, but I do know that you hear about adoption and, and um I know that something you've talked about on Instagram and to me is like the bravery and um, strength of the birth mom to make that decision. And um, I, you know, I, I think it's so cool. So what, I know you've done some processing around this, but um, what steps have you taken or thoughts do you have around that side of the decision? Oh man. It's heavy. That's I know. <laughs> That's a big question. <laughs> I just threw at you. <laughs> Oh, you're good. Um, Well, it's just, it's part of this like equation that I never honestly really thought about until I started immersing myself in this community. Cause you just like, I mean, maybe some people come into it with that mindset and if so, like props to you. But like when we first started this, it was more about like our adopted child or future adopted child and about us like getting a baby. And it was like, the more I learned about this, like the more I realized that it's like, no, it's about like her or them. Cause sometimes, you know, there's parents involved or even grandparents or whatever. Um, it's not always just the the birth mother, but, um, I just, you know, my eyes were open to how important that part of this was too. And like how important having that relationship, whatever that might look like would be too for our future child. And so I think, you know, there's a large spectrum of birth mothers or birth parents and, you know, some are going to be these amazing you know, strong individuals who are just like, well, I think everybody, you know, no matter what your circumstances that brings you to this situation is, you know, they're all, you know, making this big, amazing sacrifice, but like the reasons behind that differ. And yeah, there's like going to be some potentially where, you know, it's this, you know, worst case scenario, like kind of stereotypical thing that you see or think about on TV where there's like drugs and whatever, but like, it's not all that, like, that's not always the case. Um, and I don't think we should think about it like that or just make those assumptions or whatever, that it's like what you see in the movies and that kind of thing. I think, um, I don't know. I just, there's been a lot throughout this process where I've like tried to put myself in, you know, a birth mother's shoes, which I obviously cannot ever do fully, but like 
just thinking about that woman or that couple, you know, because potentially our future child could be in existence right now. We have no idea. But just kind of thinking about her and like what she might be going through right now. And it just like, oh my gosh, it just like tears me apart, like thinking about it. And like, you know, because we, when you think about like adoption, like baby is born and somebody goes home with empty arms, like whether that's the birth parents or the adoptive, the hopeful adoptive parents, somebody is leaving the hospital with empty arms. And like, it's not the same thing to any degree, but I know what it's like to go to a hospital pregnant and leave with empty arms. Um, and it's heartbreaking. And so I just like knowing that for us to bring our family, like our baby home, it's going to involve that for somebody else. Like I just never, I never want to like forget or overlook like, like what that, what that means. You know what I mean? That Like that sacrifice that that woman's making and or those parents are making. And like, you know, I know that in that situation, they may not feel super strong or brave or selfless or whatever, but like, to me, they are, you know? So I don't know. There's a lot of thoughts and feelings. So I don't even know if I'm making sense right You're now. making so much sense. And I think, <laughs> I think that empathy, like I just came thinking like, I can't believe the empathy that you have. And I think that is such an incredible trait to go into parenthood with and motherhood and like with everything you've been through, you still have so much empathy and kindness and peace in your heart for the other side. And I think especially being an adoptive mom, like you are coming into this where your child will see the beauty and strength in his or her biological mother versus like, you know, words like baggage or failure or motherhood is so chock full of that. And so instead of, I just think that having that perspective when it comes to the person who delivered this child is, um, is really, really incredible. And I think that probably, cause we did get some questions about like, what about like the baggage that comes potentially with adopting and like the, um, any fears about maternal fraternal health, um, during the pregnancy. And, and so I'm curious at first to hear your answers on that, but also already knowing like what you just said speaks volumes of the fact that you don't see it necessarily as baggage and you see the beauty and the strength and the courage and the woman who um, is the biological mom who gives up the child. And so on that note, already having an idea of your thoughts on this, have you, is that something, is that a conversation you guys have had about like what comes with this and uh, what, what's your take on that? Like emotional baggage, like our child could carry because of this. Yeah, I think so. I think it's twofold. I think that's the first question is like the emotional baggage that could come from the adoption process, and then the second is more just like the maternal and fraternal and paternal health of the parents when they conceive, and then throughout pregnancy for the mom carrying the child. Okay. Yeah. So I think speaking to the emotional baggage our child could carry because of this, I think that's very real. Like you can't come into adoption assuming like, oh, because I'm adopting a newborn, which I don't know if I said that, but that's what we're looking to do. (laughs) Um, I think that's kind of obvious, but that's not always the case. But because I'm adopting a newborn baby, they won't have that trauma or that baggage or whatever that might come with adopting an older child because they're all they're going to know is us. And I don't think that's true or realistic or scientific or anything like that. I think it's important to recognize that there is trauma, even for a newborn baby, like, when they're in their, you know, mother's womb, they know her, the sound of her heartbeat, they know, like, her, the sound of her voice. And, you know, if the father is in the picture as well, like, that's what they know, that's all they know. And then they're coming to this world. And birth in and of itself is traumatic. Like, I know you've talked about, um, you know, some of the stuff with birth trauma, and, um, babies having to like work through that process that even when the birth itself was not quote unquote traumatic in the way that we might see. Um, And so anyway, and so they're brought into this world and then they're taken from everything they know and put in this unfamiliar, you know, person's arms with a different smell and a different sound and all that kind of stuff. And that in and of itself is traumatic. And like, the amount that that affects them into, you know, as they grow, I think differs greatly just based on the child themselves, based on how you as the parents, um, you know, kind of approach that, how you speak about it, all that kind of stuff and, um, and stuff. But I think for me, like, not that I'm not worried about it, but I think that we're well equipped to 
handle any of those questions. Um, first of all, like I said, my best friend is adopted. So when, um, you know, if they have a question about being adopted that we just can't answer because, you know, we're not adopted, we don't know what that's like. We'll be like, okay, we're going to call Auntie Dree, you know? And so I'm like, so, so grateful that our, ch- our child or children um, will have that as a resource to go through and, or to go to. And also I think with, you know, our having experienced loss in a totally different way, but loss still, and like you, adoption, that is a loss. They lost their biological family. That's real and hard and valid that they would have feelings about that. I'm hoping because I've learned through all of our experiences that like, you know, it's important to feel your feelings and, um, you know, talk about things and validate those things and everything you feel about it, no matter how silly or whatever it seems like it's real and it's true and you have the right to feel that like I'm hoping that those kind of lessons that we've learned will be able to take those to our child and just like hold the space for them to ask questions to feel what they need to feel about that even if they may say things that are like on the surface kind of hurtful to us just knowing because you know sometimes a kid you know they may say something what about like my real mom or whatever you know whatever it is Um, and just like not taking offense to those things because we just know that our child is having to process these really, really hard things that we can't, um, fully understand. So, um, that's, I guess, speaking to the emotional baggage piece, hopefully had to to tell goosebumps. I just, I, (laughs) you're incredible to already have that insight and that wisdom and to use your experience to help you move forward as a mom is just, it's incredible. And, um, and we did an episode with Eliza Parker on like processing birth trauma. And mm-hmm. I love that you see not just the trauma of like physically exiting the, the birth canal, but also, right. um, in the womb, but also the trauma that could potentially come from, like you said, the changes, the different smells, the the different heartbeat, like all the differences that are going to come from transitioning from birth mom to you. Um, mm-hmm just that you're aware of that is going to, it's just so, so powerful. And you have all the tools you need to help your baby process that stuff. Um, and as you hold space. So I think that is so incredible. And I, such a profound answer to that question. <laughs> like, so I, I love it. I probably have a consultation with Eliza. Oh, as she's well. amazing. Like, stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I, can I add that to my baby registry? <laughs> well, absolutely. I think that's actually a brilliant idea. Maybe we'll do that with the next one. <laughs> yeah. We don't like, want stuff. Just help with right. the, yeah. Exactly. That's so that powerful. stuff is so important, regardless of the circumstances of how yeah. the child comes into your family. So it's amazing. Um, so what about the like, physical? Yeah, the physical, the the medical stuff. Um, I don't know. That, that's kind of hard to answer because it totally depends. I think, you know, we can kind of expect with any situation that the circumstances of their pregnancy and birth are not going to be probably anything like they would have been with a biological child if we had a biological child. Um, Because I mean, for starters, any, you know, woman that finds herself in a situation where she's making an adoption plan for a baby is likely in some sort of stressful situation. And just coming to like making those decisions in and of themselves are going to be super stressful and emotional. And the babies in the womb, they feel that they get that. And um, so that's, you know, not ideal. Um, but it's the reality. Um, also, you know, one of the things that has been really like, I don't know, interesting to me, fascinating me, I've been learning about is just like gut health in general, but also for like babies, like, and how, um, important, like the mother's gut microbiome is for, you know, establishing kind of a strong gut microbiome in baby. And, chances are, um, our child's birth mother will not have, you know, they won't be taking really fancy, expensive probiotics when they're pregnant or whatever. And so I've like, we just kind of thought through and made some plans for how to kind of compensate for that, I guess. So I think that's kind of, you know, maybe the answer to the question there is that we are coming into this knowing that our baby's you know, their foundation for their health is not going to be 100% ideal, which I mean, nobody's is no matter how, you know, quote unquote, perfect you are in your pregnancy, it's never totally perfect. Um, And just looking at, okay, what can we do to help support them to the best of our ability? So, you know, probiotics, and I don't know, whatever other, well, probably I, I was thinking about maybe eventually doing like a 23andMe 
for our child, like to get some more genetic information. Um, and ideally with, and we're hoping to have an open adoption. And ideally with that, like we will have some medical, like health history for their family. So we can kind of let those things guide some of our decisions and stuff like that. But just trying to come into this with as much like knowledge and preparation for these things and um, that we can, we can get, so we can kind of just like give our child their best chance to the best of our ability. Like just knowing that not all of it's in our control. Yeah. That's awesome. I think, I think um, what I, what I'm taking too is that you kind of see this as an opportunity to create a better, more health filled life holistically Mm -hmm. for this child versus like seeing it as a burden. It's more like, Oh sweet. Now I have it. You know, that's, that's nine months of life. Um, in the womb and then you have a lifetime to support this child in finding true health and it's not like it's not like you can't make up for that time um, yeah, by absolutely. You know, using the resources that you have and like the world that you've been in your own health issues you take mm-hmm. those to inform your decisions as a mom which I think is incredible as well um, and you have so many resources like Megan I'm like you should set up a console with Megan Garcia <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm sure we will when we get to the whole yeah. like first foods kind of time yeah I love it so cool um Awesome. Well, that kind of leads to a question we got about like postpartum. And I, I don't know if the verbiage there is like for you, like the postpartum period, right? Like you are now a, a brand new mom to this baby. Um, what kinds of things have you done to set yourself up um, and prepare for that stage? And I know you've kind of already talked about it, like with the with the health step and probiotics. And, um, and I know you just got to snuggle me organic, which is super I exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So what, what else? What have you done at this point? And I know some of this because we talk about it frequently, but I'm curious. I'm sure our listeners are curious to know. How like just prepared. To prepare for a baby coming into yeah. our home kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, well, we've like, we've started making a list and I've talked to Laura about this a mm-hmm. lot. I love it. <laughs> about um, like, okay, what does a baby actually like need in those first months? Cause you know, like we're not, well, first of all, we don't have a ton of extra money to spend on lots of random baby stuff because adoption itself is really expensive. And, and we will so, get into that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we're not having like a traditional baby shower and stuff like that. And not that there's anything wrong with that. Some adoptive families do do that, like after they're matched or whatever, before baby is placed, they'll have a baby shower. But we just don't feel comfortable with that because until birth mom put, puts pen to paper, that baby is 100% hers. And if we're having a baby shower, if we're setting up this like perfect nursery, like with this one specific baby in mind, we're acting as if that baby is ours before that baby is ours. And I just don't feel comfortable with that. Like I want to make sure throughout, you know, once we're matched with a baby like that throughout that whole process until baby is placed and paperwork is signed, that we're honoring that mother as mother fully and completely. Um, and so that's why we're like, but we also are recognizing that, you know, theoretically things can happen very quickly. We don't know that they will, it can take a long time, but it can also happen very quickly. And so we need to be prepared for that. So that's where it's like, okay, baby, newborn baby necessities. We have a list like the snuggle me organic. I bought that. It was on sale. So I was like, I'm going to get this. And it was like this big deal for me to buy baby stuff because beyond a few, you know, onesies here and there, like I haven't done that because I haven't gotten far enough into a pregnancy to do that where I like felt comfortable doing that and so it's kind of this like weird big emotional thing which maybe sounds silly but <laughs> not at all I remember um, buying that like a little stuffed fox when I was pregnant and yeah. I like, had fear wrapped around it and like should I be right. doing this yet and like there's so much that goes into that so I can I can only I can only imagine how that feels for you yeah so anyway so we're doing that and like the other thing is obviously like formula mm-hmm. like talking about that and it's like you know, I'm sure in this space with your listeners and stuff like that, like probably most of them breastfeed or at least attempt to breastfeed and that kind of thing. And like, yes, theoretically, it's an option, an adoption. You can take medication to lactate. Um, And we're not, or I'm not doing that is kind of the decision that we've come to. Um, and you know, I'm sure some people have opinions about that kind of thing, but it was looking at like, okay, what is best for our child? Okay. Theoretically breastfeeding breast milk is best for our child, but what would it take for me to be able to do that? Um, I'd have to take, you know, all these hormones that would probably make me a crazy psychopath. And is that best for our child, for their mother to be like 
just not herself emotionally or physically because of this. And like, just the amount of like stress that would go into all of that. Like, I think that I would be a better mother and what would be best for our child is not to breastfeed. And that's not to say we won't like try to get donor milk. I'm sure that'll be, that's something that's on my list of things to look into, but we also have, you know, kind of found a formula that we feel comfortable. It's like best quality out there, cost an arm and a leg comes from Europe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like not a lot of great options in America. And that's just kind of the decision we've had to come to, which, you know, coming, you know, being somebody who, when I was pregnant the first time with Ellis, it was like what we are exclusively breastfeeding for, you know, how this many months and, you know, we'll continue to breastfeed for this long. And that's it. Like no supplemental formula. Like that was my idea. Like this, that's what I wanted to do. And of course that's a, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a beautiful thing, but it's like, that's just not our reality now. And I kind of had to come to terms with that. But I, I mean, I think I was able to do that because I don't know, I've just learned over and over again throughout this process. that it's like, there is so much in this life that we cannot control. And you just have to do the best you can with what you've got. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah. So anyway, that's what we've come to with as far as preparing for like feeding our baby. And then, you know, we've got a really nice probiotic on our list to um, supplement with the formula for baby. Um, and then I don't know, as far as my own preparation myself, I don't I've, I honestly, I don't think I've really done a whole lot. Um, hey, preparing- you've done a lot of therapy. <laughs> I think that's like, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Huge therapy. That's like the number one thing that I tell anyone like, oh, you're, you're, yeah. you were talking about motherhood and becoming a mom. I'm like therapy, therapy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had a conversation with my therapist a couple of weeks ago because my, uh, for our home study, they, because I'm in therapy, they wanted a letter from my therapist, basically oh. just like their opinion on whether or not I'd be, you know, a fit mother. Which I think that in of itself is a testament to the fact that society sees anyone in therapy as broken. You don't have to be broken to go to yeah. therapy, right? Like they, right. they need like Absolutely. a write-off from your therapist. Like, oh, she's actually okay. You know, anyway, right. that was a tangent. And our but... caseworker was like, you know, I don't want you to freak out about this. This yeah. is like just what has to be done and like, you know, totally normal. But my therapist wrote us or wrote me like a glowing review, of which course. made me feel really good about myself. And like, I left my appointment a couple of weeks ago and I was like, I feel like they're judging me because I'm in therapy and like, they think I'm not going to be a good mother. And she's like, you're good. You're going to be a good mother because you are in therapy. And I was like, Goosebumps. thank you. Yeah. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And I remember with my therapist, she's like, I have, so I have to, in order for any of this to be covered by insurance, I have to diagnose you as depressed. Right. And I was like, man, it's just, it's backwards. Like if right. everyone was in therapy, the world would be a better place. Oh my gosh. 100%. Therapy. Uh, so. Yeah. Anyways. Um, okay. I think that you are more prepared than you give yourself credit for. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so good. So now I, I, we got some questions about like the process itself. So um, okay. no, it's not something we've really <laughs> divin, dove, dived into yet. So the basics, let's talk a little bit about like cost how did you, how'd you get started well I know you talked about um, abiding homes right abiding love yeah, yeah. abiding love um so that was like a first step to kind of so that was a consultant that kind of got you on the right path that's it they are an adoption agency okay here in Georgia who do home studies they also do placement but they so a lot of a regular adoption agencies how that works is like you sign on as a waiting adoptive family with that agency and then they have you know, expectant mothers, expectant families come in who are making an adoption plan for their baby. And then they match, you know, baby expectant family to adopted, waiting adoptive family, hopeful adoptive, adoptive family. So that's kind of traditionally how that works. So with this, with our, the agency that's doing our home study, they do home studies for adoptive families, but they don't bring on waiting adoptive families. They do have their, you know, expectant families or expectant mothers that they have, but then they work with a consultant company. So consultants are kind of a little bit different and it's like a newer thing. Like agencies is kind of what's been a lot around for a long time. And you don't necessarily even have to go through an agency. You can like, there are people who just go straight through adoption lawyers. Um, but consultants are, so they work a little differently. So basically like you sign on with this consultant company and this is what we're doing. And then they work with a bunch of different agencies across the country and adoption lawyers. And so basically your reach as the adoptive family is much greater um, because you're not locked into that one agency. 
you know, depending on the consultant company that you work with, they have, you know, a number of different agencies or lawyers or whatever that they work with. And so you see a lot more um, situations as the family. So that's what we're doing. And our, the adoption agency that we're doing our home study through, that's the, that's what they, that's who they work with. That's how they do things. So they work a little bit differently than your traditional adoption agency as well. But like I said, that's what we're doing, but there are a lot of different ways to do it. A lot of, or some people will like, they'll do like what they call independent or private adoption where independent adoption, private adoption is anything that's not through the state. Um, and they'll like self match. So you like basically advertise yourself on social media or, you know, in the newspaper. I don't even know how you do that. Um, and you, um, yeah, you get like linked up with an expectant family that way. Um, and then go through like a lawyer or whatever to finalize. And I think that can be a little bit more affordable. But I just, I don't know. Well, for starters, like I said, we have no idea how we would advertise ourselves and like make that work. And I don't know, I just feel uncomfortable because one of the things with agencies and that sort of thing is that part of the purpose that they serve, as long as, you know, they're doing things right and ethically, which, you know, we made sure that our consultants only work with um, agencies and, and attorneys that are doing things ethically and lovingly and all that kind of stuff is that like, they can provide support for the expectant mothers during, you know, during their pregnancy, as far as like counseling and things like that, but also post-placement. Um, and with like a self-matching situation, then that whole burden is on you. And like, I don't know, I just, I like the idea of having, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I like the idea of like having kind of those systems already in place for support for those, um, you know, the expectant mothers, the birth mothers. So, yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of where kind of how we got to like working with who we're working with, the consultant company we're working with, like their name is Faithful Adoption Consultants. That's, they're not the only company like that, but that's who we decided to to go through. So then there's kind of like, you know, you have your home study that you do and you have, you know, you choose your agency, your consultant company, however you're doing that. And some, if you're going through an adoption, like a traditional adoption agency, you can often do the home study straight through them. So that's kind of all in one there. Um, and then also you have your profile book that you have to create, which that's the book that these expectant mothers, expectant families will be looking through to then choose who's going to parent their child. Mm. So it's kind of a, it's a big, big deal. It's God, there's kind so of, much vulnerability in this. There's probably oh out there in every possible yeah. way for open know, to scrutiny and judgment yeah. and but also so much love. Yeah. It's like, it's like this crazy dichotomy. <laughs> I know it's, it's crazy. So I actually just submitted our profile book to design like an hour ago Yay! <laughs> before we started an hour before we started this. So that's exciting. And, but also scary. Cause it's like, this is so important. Like these pictures that I'm choosing, these are the pictures that like, you know, our future child, like mother is going to like connect with mm-hmm. and somehow choose these strangers to parent her child. Like it's just this, big heavy thing and like Huge. these words and you write a letter to the expectant parents too mm-hmm. which is like I did I, I did that last week was when I wrote the letter I was just kind of finalizing things over the weekend and like I just like I shared on my Instagram stories like I was just like wrecked emotionally mm-hmm. writing this letter it's like I don't know it's just very it's a hard thing oh well it's I say it's a hard thing for me to write I can only imagine what it is to be in the situation where you're reading those things and So that's where like, yes, there's so much that goes into this, so much scrutiny, so much judgment. Like, I just feel like at every stage of this, like, we're just putting like our whole lives out there to be judged, our finances, our marriage, our faith, like everything is being judged at every stage of this for the home study for, you know, with the profile books, like if we, you know, apply for grants, all that kind of stuff. But like, at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, this is hard and it sucks. But imagine like being, you know, a pregnant woman who's making a plan for adoption, a plan, uh, an adoption plan for her baby. And you're, you have this stack of books full of strangers and you have to pick one of those, one of these couples or one of those people to parent your child. Like that's like way worse, way harder, way more intense than anything we have to do in this process. And like, with all the invasive home study stuff, like, yes, it's a pain in the ass <laughs> to do all this paperwork, 
But if, if that makes it so that, you know, this, you know, person that is, we're going to connect with, that we're going to match with eventually, if that makes it so that she or they can, um, have some semblance of peace that like they're putting their child in a good home, then it's worth every, every, you know, minute spent writing, filling out the paperwork, every, you know, dollar spent on the whole process, every freaking time we have to get fingerprinted. <laughs> it's all uh, worth it. You yeah. hundred percent. There's a baby coming and peace of mind for the woman who makes this decision. And I also, I see it as really hard, but also like imagine a moment of peace when she opens the book and sees the parents and it feels mm-hmm. right, you know? And I'm sure I can't speak to this in any capacity, but I imagine it, there's always going to be a little bit of doubt, but also I am, I am envisioning this moment where it's like, these are the people that are supposed to raise this baby, you know, and be this baby's parents. Right. And I think that there's also like, so, so hard, but also that moment, there's got to be a little bit of magic and peace in that as well. Um, in such a terrible, terribly hard decision to have mm-hmm. that moment where you're like, you, there's a choice being made and you feel this like sense of confidence. Um, right. like you said, you putting yourself out there and providing all the information possible gives that woman that peace to know who you are as much as she mm-hmm. can without actually, you know, being a part of your life in that way. So yeah, that's amazing. And that's then definitely. on that note, you've decided, I know we've talked about this to, to pursue open adoption. Um, mm-hmm. would you mind touching on your reasons for that a little bit? Sure. So the biggest thing with this is that like, we feel that an open adoption is in the best interest of our future child, like knowing where they came from, you know, hopefully potentially being able to have some sort of relationship with their birth family so that, you know, there's that they know that like, they were placed for adoption out of love, not because they weren't wanted. Um, I never want our child to feel like they weren't wanted by anybody, by us, by their birth family, whatever. And like, I know the level of openness in an adoption, you know, depends in large part on the birth family themselves and what they're comfortable with. And I, obviously it's our plan to respect that as, you know, as much as we can to the extent that it's healthy for our child. Um, and so we don't have a lot of control in this, but my, my hope is that, we're able to have like a good, open, loving relationship likely won't involve a whole lot of in-person kind of stuff, unfortunately, because I would be open to that depending on the situation, just because we move so much and, you know, our baby could come from anywhere. And so who knows um, where that'll be and if we'd ever be in that area or whatever, but I don't know. We just feel like it's, that's what's best for our child. I think that's also in most cases in the end, at least likely what's best for the birth mother or birth families themselves too, at least from the impression I've gotten from, you know, listening and learning from other birth mothers. Um, and, um, yeah, I think too, like I've read stories from adoptive or adoptees who were, you know, adopted, however many years ago in a time where closed adoptions was the norm, like court documents were sealed. You knew nothing. You knew only non-identifying information. I think it's what they called it. Like you didn't even know their names most of the time. Um, And it was really hard to find that information. There's no like medical records. You have no birth, like health history, none of that. And like I don't know, you like read what some of these adoptees like say, and it's just heartbreaking because there's just, they have a right to know those things. And so even if like a fully open, like the ideal open adoption that I like have idealized in my head probably isn't what's a possibility for us. Like, I hope that like Jared and I can gather as much information as we can about our um, child's first family so that we can pass on that information so that, you know, they can know as much as as possible, um, those things. So I don't know, it's just so abstract, like at this point, because we just have no idea what the circumstances are going to be with any of this stuff. So it's hard. That's a lesson in patience and trusting the universe or, you know, and faith and all of that, um, that will, I imagine will serve you really well in motherhood because (laughs) gosh, it's like starting in this way and having to just put so much faith in the process and, um, 
the trust is just it's incredible so I see your sweet pup behind you <laughs> came yeah. in to enjoy the conversation I love it good which is new and different <laughs> <laughs> so good okay let's wrap this up with cost because I know that this experience is well I guess before we talk and jump into that I'm curious to know where you are in the in the process so you just completed the book to submit yeah. you've had mm-hmm. a home study so what is the next step for you guys so our home study isn't quite done yet. Oh, okay. They're, we're done with our visit. So the okay. state of Georgia requires three. Um, we're done with those. Um, we filled out, you know, 99% of the paperwork. Basically, at this point with the home study, we're waiting on the our caseworker writes a narrative, basically. So we're waiting on that. And then we approve it. And then the attorney who's like the head person, she approves it. And then we're also waiting on some clearances. So normally, you know, if you lived in the same state for the last five years, you just have clearances for that state and it's super easy. But we've lived three, kind of three and a half because Jared was deployed at one point um, during the last five years. We have uh, clearances from three different states we have to get. So we're also waiting on those. But once all that's done, then our home study will be approved. Hopefully that won't take too, too long. Um, and then yes, profile book that's been submitted to design. So that's just, you know, that'll get designed. We'll have to get it approved. Then that'll get printed and that'll be ready to go. Um, and then other than that, it's just compiling the rest of the paperwork that our consultant company needs, which, you know, involves the profile book It involves the home study paperwork and then a few other things. And then once we have all that, we'll send that in and then they approve or not, but hopefully approve. Yes, approve. <laughs> approve that, and then we'll be like what they call an active family or a waiting family officially. So, I know, I know how hard you've been working. So it's it's yeah. it's like there's light. You're close. Oh yeah, yeah. It, so it feels finally feels that way. Yeah. Um, there were a couple things that came up yesterday with we have to redo our Georgia Bureau of Investigation fingerprints that we already did like right before Christmas because of course they lost them mm. in their system. So we don't have to pay for them again, unfortunately, but we have to go redo those, which is super annoying because Jared's like, he's in the field and then he goes like to California for some training. And there's literally one day in Mm. between those two things that we can get this done. So it's like things like that, that we were trying to avoid by getting all this stuff done like before the new year, but Mm. it is what it is. Things happen. Things Mm -hmm. get lost in the system. So um, there's been a few things like that that have come up, but I've never heard of anybody have a, having a completely smooth home study. Right. Of course. So, so I was kind of, you know, as prepared for that as you can be, but I, I was definitely a little bit annoyed yesterday. Yeah, I bet. I can um, imagine with everything. It's like so much, so many logistics and then to have something just yeah. fall through the cracks like that, that's not in your control and someone else's right. mistake. It's like, man, I covered my bases. Exactly. <laughs> Cover yours. So, yeah. yeah. Oh man. But okay. Hopefully all that'll be done. I mean, if we could be, if that could all get done within like, you know, by next month, like this time next month, that would be incredible. But beautiful. I'll keep know, all it could take a little bit longer. We'll see. Coming. Okay. And then costs. I know that we got a question specific to that. This mm-hmm. is not a super, it's, it's a very expensive process. So I'm curious to know yeah. like a little bit about that. And then I want to definitely dive into this incredible fundraiser that you guys are doing um, with the coolest shirts. <laughs> like any fundraiser that I've seen that's selling some sort of apparel, the logo, everything about them is so awesome. So first, a little bit about the costs. Where have you guys found yourself? What is that? Has that been a surprise to you or did you know going into it? What, what does that look like? Well, we definitely knew going into it that it was going to be expensive, but we didn't know exactly like how expensive. So I was kind of thinking, you know, 20, 30 grand. Sure. Uh, no. <laughs> Um, it's cool. Well, I think, you know, there probably are some circumstances where maybe it can be like, you know, that level of expense, but I think the average is somewhere I've seen different numbers. I've seen somewhere around like 36,000 upwards of the average being more like 40, 45,000. The situations that are consultant company sees usually I think range between about 40 and 50 normally is what they see. Now that doesn't count the home study fees, the cost of the profile book design, um, or any of the other little expenses that go into that, um, that basic or travel to get, you know, to pick up the baby when the baby is born, that doesn't count that or finalization, I think either. So that's basically your agency fees, your birth mother expenses or expectant mother expenses, and your, the legal fees associated with the adoption itself. So like that's the number, but then there's also quite a bit 
uh, expenses on top of that. So um, yeah, it was definitely a little bit overwhelming at first. And my husband is quite stingy, mm-hmm. um, which I'm at this point, I'm so grateful for, because if we hadn't been like, if he wasn't so stingy and we hadn't just been like saving up money for who knows what, that was always what I said, what are we saving all this money for? Like, we would not have been able to start this process like mm-hmm. immediately once we made this decision, if, if he hadn't like, you know, if he's not, if he wasn't such a penny pincher, <laughs> Um, so I'm very, very grateful for his, his frugality, <laughs> um, at this point, but anyway, so yeah, so we're kind of looking at, you know, needing to have in our possession somewhere in the range of like probably 40 to about $55,000, um, which I don't know if anybody knows anything about army salaries, but they are not that high. <laughs> um, So fortunately, like I said, we've had a fair amount of money saved just from the fact that, you know, where we've been, you know, just, I guess, like good at stewarding our money or whatever you want to say, good at saving money. Um, Not necessarily on my part, but Jared's kind of pushed me in that direction. And now I'm very, very good at it because now it's like, there's a purpose in this. Mm -hmm. I don't need to buy that, you know, necklace or whatever, because that's money that could go towards you know, our adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so that's kind of the basics of the cost. The home study, I think, can be anywhere from like $1,500 to $3,000 just for that process. You know, profile book, that costs money. If you're working with a consultant, there's the fee involved with that. So it's just, it's a lot. It's overwhelming. But my super stingy husband, who, like I said, usually freaks out over every little expense, has had just like so much peace about this ridiculously large amount of money from the very beginning, which to me just like spoke volumes. One of his desire to be a dad, which mm-hmm. is just like, I don't know, as his wife just made me like fall yeah. in love with him that much more. I you love cry. that. But <laughs> so just like confirmed that we're like on the right path, like mm-hmm. that he wasn't fighting this, like, oh my gosh, that's too expensive. We can't do it. Like, no, like there was never any of that. Like he was so on board from the very beginning, which is just like incredible to me. So there's been some moments obviously where it's like, you know, freaks us out or whatever, like with a certain number or, you know, when our, you know, account that we have set aside for this starts getting a little low Mm -hmm. and, and that kind of thing. Like there's been moments of freakouts. I won't say it's all been super peaceful, but across the board, like, I don't know. It's, we just kind of are trusting that everything will work out, that the finances will work out. Um, you know, we're, we've made a lot of sacrifices as far as expenses. Like, I don't know, I'm not eating, we're not eating the highest quality food that we can find anymore. And like, you know, if we were still trying to have a biological child, there's no way we would have cut that out because that was important to make sure that we were nourishing ourselves in the best way possible for, you know, the health of our future child. But at this point, it's like, okay, you know, we get some clean 15 non, non-organic non vegetables, mm-hmm. and that's fine, you know, and cut our grocery bill down a whole lot. My husband's selling his motorcycle, like, we're making sacrifices. And that like, feels, it feels good to be able to do that. Like, yeah, it's an action you can take. Future. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, And then enter bonfire and this incredible yeah. campaign you guys have started. Um, that I posted about. I'll share the link to my post and obviously to this website, but I already 223 shirts have been sold, which is amazing. Um, and my mind. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a part of that, I mean, the majority of that is because people want to love on you guys and support you. And they're just uh, so inspired by your journey, but then also like the shirts are really cute. (laughs) I wish I could take credit for that, but that's my graphic designer friend, Nicole. They're so great. She took my ideas and just like made them a million times better. (laughs) So there's the the flowers, the triangle, the warrior, every piece of this has um, a lot of really incredible meaning. Do you want to talk a little bit about the shirt? Sure. So yeah, like, like she said, there's uh, the triangle. That's the adoption triad. That's basically the symbol of adoption that recognizes the three different sides um, that are involved. Um, The flowers that was actually all Nicole put that in that wasn't something that came from me but I just think it's such a beautiful representation about how like beautiful things can grow from like nothing from dirt from ugliness and I think that that represents our journey really well of coming to this place of adopting from like recurrent pregnancy loss and just all the pain and ugliness that is involved with that and I think it also um, represents adoption really well as a whole because 
yeah, I think adoption is often portrayed as this just really special, special, beautiful thing. And it absolutely is. Um, but it comes from brokenness um, and hard, just hard stuff, pain. And so I think that the, you know, flowers represent that really well. And then warrior, I chose the word warrior because um, it's just a word that's come to mean a whole lot to me throughout our journey. It's something Somebody, I don't even know who it was, I don't remember, commented on my post when I, the very first time I shared about our first loss um, of when we lost Ellis, um, they called me a warrior and it was like, made me feel really good, like made me feel strong in a time when I felt like I'd failed, like I was weak because I like couldn't keep my baby alive. Um, and so that became really meaningful for me. And I just, I wanted these shirts to not only represent our journey and our like adoption specifically, but I wanted them to be able to, you know, kind of be worn by anyone and kind of represent their own journey, their, their own, like whatever makes them a warrior. And I think that, you know, we all have something that makes us a warrior. You know, there's people with autoimmune diseases or cancer or whatever that they're like battling or have, you know, overcome and 100% they're a warrior, you know, um, just moms in general, like you brought a child, you like grew a child in your room, womb and brought that child into the world. And that's like this beautiful, incredible thing. 100% <laughs> warrior mama and dads too. We can't mm -hmm. forget the death. And just like thinking about too, in, in terms of adoption with like adoptees, you know, they have to balance these just like difficult situations and emotions and feelings about being adopted. That's not easy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're warriors. Birth mothers are 100% warriors, even though, you know, I don't want to like put a feeling on somebody when they may not feel that themselves. And I am sure in that situation, like I didn't feel like a warrior right when we first lost our babies. Um, and I don't want to like put emotions on somebody, but in my mind, in my heart, they are warriors as well to like, you know, choose to, you know, place their child in another family in the arms of another mother um, for, you know, because they believe that's what's best for their baby. Like that's incredible, incredible. So um, that's kind of like our goal with the shirts is that it's not just about us and our journey, but also, you know, means something to other people as well. I love it so much. I have goosebumps and the shirts are amazing. They mean so much. I wear mine with such pride. Um, I love it that you have different options. There's the premium unisex. There's the women's slim fit. I love the three quarter sleeve and then I actually just bought the crew neck sweatshirt as well. Um, and so there's a, there's a fit for everyone, every gender, which is great. They're all like super soft. So soft. Materials too. Yeah. They're not just like your typical, like kind of scratchy cotton t-shirt. So yeah, they're amazing. Nice too. Um, so guys go, I will link to the, the website for that in the show notes, but also you can just go to bonfire.com and then it's adopting baby Peterson, right? That's your campaign. So mm -hmm. if they just search adopting baby Peterson, it'll come up and bonfire.com. Yeah. Um, I love it. It's, you know, such a cool way to be able to support you from afar and to get to wear this shirt and re be reminded of the fact that you're a warrior and what you've been through. But then also like I wear it and I feel, I feel empowered and like, you know what, I'm a warrior too. And I just think it's such a cool conversation starter where people ask about the shirt mm -hmm. and it's just like, it's such a wonderful thing to be able to wear around and just like feel this energy of positivity and strength and empowerment that, uh, everyone should wear one. So <laughs> go get your shirts, friends. <laughs> I like big, I was talking to Jared about this the other day and I'm like, what if one day we're like, you know, at the grocery store and we like see somebody we don't know wearing one of our shirts, like how cool would that be? So like, cool. Super crazy. So that's it. my like weird random dream out of all of yeah. it. Yeah. I have a feeling that'll come to fruition. I mean, at this point, I'm just excited to see what happens. So the, the, this will air the week of, I think it's going to air on the, the uh, 10th or 11th of January. And then um, you have two weeks, just under two weeks from there to order your shirt. So the campaign ends on which date? I believe it's January 23rd. Yes. And then the shirts are, will be shipped on January 31st. Um, so there's 14 more days from now, which we're recording on a Wednesday. So we're putting this episode out on a special Friday morning so that you can have all the time to go grab your shirt. Um, check in with Kirsten. Look at her. Look at her Instagram. She, you, I mean, you've been so transparent and you've been sharing so much and it's been so fun for me to watch it unfold. And you even did like a little tutorial of each of the shirts and you showed how they fit. So I did. did you save I that to a highlight or something? Yeah, I saved it to a highlight. Okay. Yeah. Cause a lot of people were asking, especially about the women's yeah. 
um, because, you know, women's clothes sometimes are weird. They run pretty small. So I wanted to kind of show people this is what the size look like on me. Perfect. <laughs> anyway. And the one that I have in my photo is the, the small baseball tee. Cause that's unisex. I got a lot of questions on that too. So women, I, um, they run the, the, the baseball tee runs a little bit bigger and then the, it sounds like the women's tee runs a little bit smaller. So, yes. um, yeah. and if you have questions on size, you can reach out to either of us and we'll be happy to answer. Yep. Absolutely. Um, well, any last thoughts, my friend, thank you so much for coming on. This has been amazing. No, I just yeah. appreciate getting the platform to, share about our babies and, you know, our hope and journey with bringing a, you know, a new baby into our family. And I'm just so grateful for, you know, your support through all of this and Jess's as well. Yes. Uh, Hi Jess. Even though she's not here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And then we should have you on, um, you know, we'll have a follow-up down the road when you've brought yeah. a little baby into your life. It's so exciting. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I know I get chills thinking about it too. I've been like the verge of tears this whole entire episode and I've got like goosebumps up and down my arm. So (laughs) thanks for a big emotional hit this morning. It's been, you're welcome. Pretty incredible. All of them. I get that. (laughs) I feel off this kind of thing. It's just, it's amazing to feel like to really feel like you you talked about already, like feeling our feelings is so important and sharing that emotion um, with friends and people that we love is really incredible. So thank you for sharing with me. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah. you guys can find. So, why don't actually? Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? Okay. Um. Our my website is vibrantlifearmywife.com and Instagram handle same thing vibrantlifearmywife. I have a Facebook page too. I'm never on there. Don't go on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook <laughs> Just go to the dumb. blog. Go to yeah. Instagram. Um. Those are the easiest places to to find me. And feel free to reach out. I'm an open book. Happy to answer questions. All that kind of stuff. I love it. Thank you. And you guys can email us at um. Modern Mamas Podcast at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram at laura.radicalroots. Jess is jess.holdthespace. We will talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we love you guys. All right. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. They don't know what to say. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time.